Before I jump in this morning, I just really want to open in prayer. Let's uh, just take a minute and pray together. Jesus, as we come to your word, as we come uh, to your presence, God, we just have a sense that you're here, that you're doing something beautiful in your house. God, we pray that as we continue to seek you, that you would renew your people. God, would your presence be so powerful here in this place that everything else would just fade away. God, I pray that as we listen and as we learn that we would receive from you what we need to do, God, to go where you've called us to go. God, we love you very much. It's so good to be with you today. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to welcome everyone to week three of our discipleship series today. This week wraps up the final week in our discipleship series, and we are tackling the theme of behaving like Jesus. As a brief reminder, a few weeks ago, we started this series with the theme of being with Jesus. And we were reminded that our discipleship as Jesus followers should begin and flow out of the practice and the joy of simply being with him. I want to ask you today, how is it going for you with all that life is throwing at you, simply being with Jesus? We talked about meditation and contemplation. We talked about Bible devotions and journaling, and we talked about prayer. And here's the reality. That's where the life embeds itself in that relationship. When we are with Jesus, good things can happen and our relationship becomes strong. Start there. Start with being with him. Then last week, we looked at the theme of becoming like Jesus, and we talked about how our character is like a cup. And that cup spills what is in it as we jostle through life, right? So if we're full of all that Jesus-y type stuff, if our cup is full of Jesus-y stuff, right, as we move and jostle through life, Jesus-y stuff spills out and gets on the world around us. But if we're full of other non-Jesus-y stuff, unrepentance, hate, fear, what, what spills out? All of that spills out. Um, and we reminded ourselves that we're in this constant state of becoming more and more of something. We don't get to shut it off. We're all becoming more and more of something. Unless we're intentional about allowing Christ to shape and build our character, it won't be able to produce lasting spiritual fruit. I don't know about you, but I mean, this, this is a pleasant gathering, but I'm not in it just to feel good or take moral action. I want to partner with something beyond my ability, beyond my capability. I want to do something of lasting importance. I want to produce spiritual fruit. I want another generation to come into relationship with Jesus that's active and alive because of the work that we do here. So when we're done with this framework at the end of this series, we'll be able to sum it up a bit like this. Living as disciples of Jesus is the journey of a lifetime. Together we want to grow in maturity as we give our lives to being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and behaving like Jesus. So we are going to jump into behaving like Jesus. Are you ready? Yeah. You guys are here this morning. It's nice. I like it. So to, be to behave is to act in a specific way, especially towards others. We want how we behave to accurately reflect what our values are. We want how we act 
to accurately reflect what our values are. James 1, 22 and 25 says this, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Anyone know the next line? Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forget what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Ooh. Sometimes you don't even need to preach a sermon, you just need to read a few verses. He's given us what we need. There's good instruction. But when I think about that verse at a very high level, uh, I think about the journey that we see in the Gospels of Jesus and his disciples and how he would prepare them for a lifetime of mission, not just understanding, but accomplishing and doing the work. The years that uh, Jesus spent with his disciples had a profound effect upon them, right? They traveled with him. They ate with him. They prayed with him. They watched him. They listened to him. And before Jesus asked them to go do anything or be on mission, he invested time being with them, that really, really stubborn crew. And this is exciting news for me. Anyone here got some stubborn in them? I got some Dutch in my family, and I got enough stubborn to sink you all. We are a stubborn crew. It takes us a while to change and to pivot together, doesn't it? Luckily, God is gracious, and he journeys alongside us through that process. But it's very interesting to see these normal followers, these average dudes, move from mistakes and humiliation and confusion in Jesus' teaching to effective and powerful leaders. Now, they're still imperfect, but they become much more effective and much more powerful, and they take Jesus' words and mission and make it their own. And they do incredible work. Right? The disciples' actions that we know and read about give birth, gave birth to the global church that we know today. These disciples stepped out powerfully against culture, ultimately giving their lives to serving Jesus with everything they had. Everything. I had a conversation with my daughter just a little while ago, and she was surprised to learn that all the disciples in some form were killed, except for one. Crucified, tortured. They gave everything. Everything they had, nothing was held back. You know, none of us can make that transition to being that effective and that powerful in what we do unless we're in love with Jesus and unless we're equipped by him and his spirit to accomplish his will, right? We're not here. Yes, our will has something to do with it. God is in partnership with us, but we move into alignment with him. We come alongside each other to do his will to build his kingdom. And just like natural problems require natural tools and solutions, supernatural problems require supernatural tools and solutions. This involves risk and sacrifice. We've touched on this a little bit. I've mentioned this a few times over this series, but the call to discipleship is not an easy call. It's, a, it's actually a difficult journey. It's, it's a continual process of surrender. So, God, would you come alongside us? Would you equip us? And would you renew us? And if we don't have that constantly, we're in a little bit of trouble. Hebrews 13, 
20 to 21 says this, Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will, and he may work in us what is pleasing to him. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. 1 John 4, 16 to 19 says this, And so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. God is, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We loved because he first loved us. Those are powerful verses today. We do not behave a certain way out of fear because fear is connected to what? To judgment. And we don't behave a certain way Because we're trying to seek God's approval. As we choose Jesus, he is willing and excited to come alongside us and give us his peace and equip us with what we need to do his will. And as Christ's disciples, how we act in this world matters. Our actions show practically practically that God's love is active in our lives. And we are called specifically to be his light and his hope. And to show that God's love is real and powerful in each one of us. Matthew 5.16, you know this verse? You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. That they may see your good deeds... And glorify your Father in heaven. Who gets the credit for the good stuff we do? Jesus. Jesus, let it be of your church again coming out of a pandemic that we would rebuild in such a way that we could have such a powerful effect upon our communities that you would get the glory, Jesus. As God's kids, are we good at obeying our Father's instructions? Are we good at obeying our Father's instructions? Are we acting In every situation, like the loved and blessed and hope-filled kids that we are. Or do we forget about that identity once in a while? Like maybe in a pandemic. Are we engaging this world with choices and behaviors that feel like Jesus and look like Jesus and smell like Jesus and taste like Jesus? When you guys... Sit here, right now, sitting here right now, what, what are some of the things that come to mind when you think about visibly obeying Jesus and, and being in partnership with him? What are some of the things that might uh, stand out that are obvious to you in ways that you could visibly obey Jesus? What would some of those things be? Listening. Listening? Prayer? Prayer? Yep. Tithing. Tithing. Oh, someone's brave. Hmm? Serving. Serving, yeah. Yeah, that's good. These are good things. At the end of the day, if we begin to look into this, and we'll, we'll move into this, there are literally dozens and dozens and dozens of ways that we can move in agreement, acting and obeying. 
in powerful ways that would have a lot of impact in our communities. We want our actions and behavior to be in partnership with God's supernatural power and supernatural understanding. Uh, I've always said in ministry, how unfortunate would it be if I spent my time in pastoral ministry and the fruit of that ministry equaled exactly what my gifts are? What a letdown. (laughs) That's the most terrifying thing I've ever said in public. No reaction. Um, Listen, as Christians, one of the most terrifying ideas in our lives should be that as we live with Jesus, all that we accomplish is what we can do in and of ourselves. If we're not partnering with Jesus and with his supernatural power and leading, and one plus one doesn't equal six, what's the point? That's what we're going after here. That's what can happen when we're in partnership with Jesus. One plus one can equal six, or 6,000, or a million. It doesn't make sense. His economy is different. I want to take a deeper look today at a few actions and behaviors that I think if we could land, if we could prioritize, if we could practice, if we could make room for, I think they would radically radically shift our lives with Jesus today and how our community perceives the church and how they interact with Jesus on a regular basis. Are you ready? Number one, we're going to talk about sharing our story, also known as evangelism. You guys remember that word evangelism? Sharing our story. Randall Worley, a life coach and author, said this, evangelism is not so much about reminding people how lost they are, but about how loved they are. Doesn't that make it easier? Doesn't that take the burden off? Evangelism is not so much about reminding people how lost they are, but about how loved they are. 1 Peter 3, 15 to 17. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect keeping a clear conscience so that, who, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good things than bad things. And you know what? In this life, there's going to be some suffering. We might as well suffer for serving Jesus than not serving Jesus. As I said earlier, there's so many ways that we can actively serve Jesus, but I I really want to lean into this. We are specifically asked to share about our faith and our hope in Jesus verbally by speaking it. It needs to be authentic. It needs to be in love. It needs to be gentle. It needs to respect other other people's uh, concerns, ideas, and questions. But we are called to speak the name of Jesus in love. When was the last time you risked sharing your faith or speaking the name of Jesus publicly in a very non-Christian, non-church setting? When was the last time you extended your arm in prayer and care towards a co-worker in an appropriate way, but you took that risk? Anyone? How did it go? How many of you have to go back months or years before you encounter that? I got to tell you, I'm not here to judge because I get stuck on planes. I did when I was allowed to fly. Uh, uh, I got stuck on planes and taxis and and people always ask me, what do you do? And let me tell you, that's either the beginning of a very interesting conversation or the end of the whole conversation. (laughs) 
Because they have a lot of preconceived ideas and baggage about who I am and what I do. Um, What makes sharing our faith so difficult in today's world? What do you think it is? Any ideas? What makes it so challenging? Anyone? John? Yeah, fear is totally legit. Yeah? Anything else? Hmm? Biases? Biases, yeah, totally. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, how many people, you know, it's pretty easy to just look at church history or people who've done it wrong. and You get slapped up the side of the head with that one. You don't know where to go, do you? It can be pretty tough. Charles Stanley says this, God's plan for enlarging his kingdom is so simple. One person telling another about the Savior. You know, that's pretty much the only strategy there is. Same with church growth. Uh, we have a, I've had a neat saying, Pastor Ollie, it's like people bring people. People bring people. Same with evangelism. People bring people. People introduce people to Jesus. People bring people to church. It's just, that's, that's the plan. How's this church going to grow? Well, we have to invite people. We have to encourage them to come. Over and over and over again. How are people going to discover Jesus and know his power and beauty in their life? Keep inviting them. Keep inviting them. Keep saying, God is good. God is good. He loves you so much. There's no way around it. We are called to share the good news of Jesus, and we're called to share our own transformation by speaking the name of Jesus in love. And I can tell you that one thing is absolutely sure. Unless we have a compelling journey with Jesus, a compelling relationship with Jesus, why would we bother sharing it in the first place? And why would anyone care? Maybe the reason we don't share about our journey with Jesus is because it's not central or having any meaningful impact in our lives to start out with. Hey, I'm here. I'm on the ground. I like to say this with you. You guys will get to know this. I've been told that I'm practical. That's some of people's feedback from the first few weeks. You know, I love that. That's a great compliment. (laughs) Um, uh, Is the way that we go through life beautiful and compelling to others? Is the way that we go through life beautiful and compelling to others? It should be. It should be. If you call yourself a Christian, if you're serving Jesus, you should have something beautiful and compelling happening in your life that is worth sharing, that is worth risking for. Second thing that I want to touch on this morning is hospitality and compassion. Henry Nouwen, a priest and an author, said this, Hospitality is not to change people, but to offer them a space where change can take place. It is, isn't it, Sandra? It is good. Thank you. (laughs) Hospitality is not to change people, but to offer them a space where change can take place. 1 Peter 4, 8-11 says this, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to each other without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves... 
they should do, the, do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. Anyone here know Mother Teresa? Mother Teresa said this, if you can't feed a hundred people, then go feed one. Guys, it's not all on you. You don't have to save the world. We don't have to save the world. Who's beside you? Start there. Romans 12, 13. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bible's doing the work for me today. Bob Goff, a lawyer and an author, said this. When you feel like you can't explain your faith, go love someone, and you just did. As disciples of Jesus, we are clearly called to empathize with and serve those around us. And this means first and foremost that we see people as God sees them. We see people as worth dying for and sacrificing for as Christ did for us. And I'm going to limit a pastoral rant, but I'm going to go off on one just a little bit. Because this is a word from Jesus for today and for right now. We live in such a polarized space, do we not? Where people are attacking each other constantly over all kinds of things. And I'm not opposed to having different opinions. I'm fine with it. But when your opinion is embedded in you so deeply that you look at that person and you cannot identify a loved creation of your father, there's a problem. Guys, the people out there who are attacking the church, who are attacking what we would do, God created them. God loves them deeply and he wants them in his family. We cannot lose sight of people's humanity, of the spark of God in each person. As you're going through difficult situations, as you're navigating awkward conversations, never let it go so far that you forget that people are loved and created and saved by God equally. Hospitality and compassion is an outward action of love. As God first loves us, we should love others. And one of the best ways that we have to communicate that love effectively is to meet practical needs. I've heard it said, don't even think about using the name Jesus until a person is safe and warm and full. Uh, Our team at the Blessing Center does great work. Uh, This morning... It's interesting, when I was, I made a note, the church. This morning we turned the heater on a little earlier. I've seen even people taking off their jackets today. We really warmed the place up for you. Um, This room is safe. It's put together well. It's engineered decently. It's a safe place to be. We've all probably eaten something in the last 24 hours. And then we wonder why we can come and enjoy each other's presence and maybe put ourselves in a posture to receive something from God. It's because there's been a bunch of things happen to put us in that place. We got to remember that our first priority is to love and serve people well, period. And then if we have that open invitation, do step one and verbally speak the name of Jesus. When have you seen hospitality or compassion make a difference in the world? Has it been a while? When have you seen that make a difference? 
draw to mind a memory of when you've seen an act, if you've seen an act of compassion or hospitality make a difference. How has it made you feel to be on the end of a compassionate act or of unexpected hospitality? Has anyone ever had that happen? Just had some compassion or hospitality come their way in an unexpected setting? Yeah? How did that make you feel? Hmm? Warm? Cared for? Maybe equals? Not judged? Safe? Seen? All these things. Do you think that practicing hospitality and compassion is easier or harder than sharing your faith verbally? What do you think? Is it easier? Let's say hospitality, practical acts are easier than speaking. Hand, hands up a little bit. Yeah? Okay, and no, no, I think at times, I think maybe just speaking it out is, is where we'd go. Anyone? No. Yeah, sometimes? Shoot. I was trying to identify evangelists and put them to work. Oh, well. Um, Hebrews 13, 1 to 3 says this. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together there with them in prison and those who are mistreated as if it was you yourselves who were suffering. As disciples of Jesus, we are called to extend love in the form of hospitality and in the form of compassion whenever possible. Whenever possible. The third thing that I want to touch on this morning is serving and generosity. Winston Churchill, you guys know Winston Churchill? I don't have to. Prime Minister of the UK. We make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. That's a pretty good perspective from someone in high-level governmental leadership, isn't it? We make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. 2 Corinthians 9, 6-8 says this, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Matthew six nineteen to 21 says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on this earth, where moth and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You know, service and generosity are not controversial teachings in Christianity or discipleship. But as soon as a church or a charity begins to talk about the bank account, watch out, watch out. Man, it can get nasty. But here is the reality as disciples of Jesus. It's all God's. It's all God's. Our lives are God's. Our blessings are God's. Our jobs are God's. Our homes are God's. Our family is from God. And the world that we inhabit is from him also. There is nothing out of his reach. There is nothing that's not his. We're called to take all of our stuff. All of it. All of it. Including the cash. 
I can't believe I just said that out loud. Week three, week three, Ralph and I, ooh, that's, that's bold. And put it to work. We gotta put all our stuff to work for the kingdom because we wanna have eternal impact, which is better than any interest rate you're getting right now. We're after a different kind of outcome. We're not after the kind of outcomes we get when we invest in this world. We're after better interest. We're after better fruit. We're after stuff that lasts well beyond. Long after that stuff will be just be chaff and gone in memory. But there's a problem because we've all been trained since we were born to invest in this world. We've been trained to invest in this world like this world invests. But as a disciple, we're in transition. We're trying to build practices that build good kingdom stewardship of what God has given us. And what has he given us again? Everything. We must find ways to practically give and serve to and through the church. And by the way, the church is just us. It's groups of people participating in that life together. Has anyone here ever been given money unexpectedly? How did that feel? Oh man, we went through a very difficult time recently and I've had people make significant investments in us. I know what it is to have someone come alongside and help me pay a bill and help me buy groceries. Have you ever been in a position to surprise someone generously? To give them something unexpectedly? How did that make you feel? Man, that's a cool feeling. That's a cool feeling. Why is money so hard to part with? What in our minds and hearts keeps us so attached? I might raise the question, what do we love and trust more? What do we love and trust more? Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live on it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. We got to make peace, church, with this idea that all of our stuff is God's and that we are called to make investments beyond the natural. So we are called to move into generosity with our finances and generosity in our service towards each other. And in that process, we stop relying on ourselves and begin relying more and more on the one who is our true provider. Our generosity and our service does not save us. I want to be clear, has nothing to do with salvation. Jesus does that. He's very good at it. But generosity and service will change our life and shift our focus. We always need to be doing our best to behave like Jesus did. We want every action that we take as followers of Jesus to be an action that he would be proud of and want to partner with. Jesus, help all our actions and behaviors to accurately reflect you and your kingdom here on this earth. Can I get an amen? Amen. Just as we wrap up this morning, I just want to touch on a few next steps. One, I want to encourage you to read the Gospels with an eye on the discipleship journey of the disciples before the crucifixion, after the crucifixion. Get a a refreshing of what that journey looked like. Secondly, if it's been a while since you've acted compassionately or started the pay for the person behind me trend at the Starbucks line, unexpectedly invest in someone this week. Thirdly, um, set aside money every month for this church. 
Be generous, deliberate, and consistent. If you do not regularly serve in a faith community or give to a faith community, do it and see what God does. After that, I just invite you to think in an ongoing way about this discipleship framework, something that we've begun and will continue. I want you to think about balancing your lifestyle and your practices around being with Jesus, which is the presence of God, around becoming like Jesus, which is the character formation in your life, and around behaving like Jesus, how we act towards each other and the world around us. Think about that. Let it sit. Let it marinate. We're going to do lots more on it in the future. And then last, uh, very soon we're going to launch discipleship groups, which is our small group ministry, which will tie into this lifestyle of discipleship that we want to get better at together. Consider joining one of those groups or consider leading one of those groups. And next week at our community meeting, we'll have some of the paperwork and the explanations around that to give to the community. I'm going to close in prayer. I've gone a little longer today. Thank you so much for being here. It's been great to be with you today. It's been great to worship. Let's just close our time together in a word of prayer. Jesus, as we come before you, God, as we ask what it is and what it means and what it looks like to truly serve and follow you, I pray that you would just continue gently with us on this journey. God, I pray that you would help us to be intentional in our lives with you, practicing and prioritizing the things that you would have us practice and prioritize. God, as we lean into you, we just trust your faithfulness and your goodness in all things because you're a good, good father. God, I pray that confidence would rise as we lean into you about your provision over us, about your healing over us. God, I pray that we would have the courageous ability to invest in a kingdom beyond just this one. God, I pray that as we continue to serve and worship you together, that we would see you just do beautiful things in this church family. That you would build beautiful and deep relationships. We love you and everyone said together,